Hello and welcome to all of our two and four-legged listeners. It's Nathan here from Rightful and welcome back to What the Bark, the Rightful podcast. Uh, we've got a very exciting guest joining us today and uh, it's been a while since we've had a guest on. Uh, so we're excited to, to sort of change the dynamic up a bit as well from just uh, genetic George and I. Welcome, George. Oh, hi, Nathan. Wolf, wolf. Well, welcome back. I've been sort of hibernating for a while, haven't I? I've been away. Yeah, you've been on, you've been jetting off around the world, conferences, holidays. The, the listeners have been wondering where you're at. Well, I'm back. <laughs> yeah, very excited um, to bring on uh, not only one of the right poor breeders as well, but also um, a fantastic um, uh, golden retriever breeder in Queensland and vet as well, Dr. Claire Stevens. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. G'day, George and Nathan. Thank you for having me today. I will say, Claire, you're the only person who sort of has, you, you sort of go by Dr. Claire, and it's almost like genetic. George, I use my first name. <laughs> yeah. Sort of my introduction. So it is, we, we'd like to know, it's Dr. Claire, correct? Is that how It is Dr. Name? Claire, that's right. Yeah, yeah. That's, how, that's how the dogs refer to you when they come into the clinic, right? Yes, yes, exactly. Brilliant. And and you're so you're based up in in sunny Queensland. And um, how how long have you been been a vet for? How, like how, you know, what's been your journey in the the animal world? Well, I'm actually in northern New South Wales, but only ten minutes from Queensland. So I'm uh, smack on the border, border. here. Um, so I do work in Queensland and in New South Wales vet clinics. Um, and yeah, I've been a vet for I think it's thirteen years now. So um, time is flying by. I've worked in um, very small animal practices and I've owned, been a co-owner of three clinics, um, which I've now Amazing. sold out of. And um, now I'm kind of doing more interesting, creative things um, around being a mum and uh, having a few litters at home and doing some personal brand work with my veterinary um, kind of education work. Nice. Look, Claire, you know, I always like doing my research, don't I, Nathan? Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And let me say, if you Google Claire's name on Google, you get pages of information. <laughs> but my first thing I want to ask is, I am very interested in one of your first clinics you worked at was a Cairns vet clinic. Oh, you did do your research. Well, and you know what? There's something about Cairns. And I'll, can you just tell me, you know... <laughs> what it was like at Cairns Vet, vet Clinic? Animal well, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Cairns girl. I'm a born and bred far north Queenslander. Yes. Oh. So oh, that wow. um, vet clinic was where I went in high school when I wanted to do my work experience. And then oh, I went, I loved it, and the same vet owned it when I was like 14 or 15 as he he still owned it when I graduated vet school. So I rang him up and said, remember me? And he did because I fainted in the clinic when I'm in my school uniform. <laughs> so, um, yeah, then he said, oh, yeah, I remember you. And I decided to move back because I went to uni down in Brisbane. I moved back to Cairns and got my first job there. Yeah, I have driven past it because I, I, I had a my partner's sister lived up there, so we used to talk ah, about okay. that a bit, you see. So yeah. his clinic is when I saw Cairns, I'd go, what? Who would want to imagine working at the Cairns Vet Clinic? <laughs> You'd see ex exotic animals from snakes to birds. Would you? Is that? Is that yeah, you do. Fantastic... It was a great first job. You yeah, see, you you know, there are all the 
is available. The more rural you go, the more um, work you have to do because you're in the deep end. There's no referring. There's no after hours. So it's a really great way to learn because you're it. So that was a, a really wonderful experience. I did a couple years, I think, yeah, one, one and a half years there. And then I went to England to practice over there for three years back here oh, after they, they, that. They, yeah, they have posters up of you now. Claire is celebrity in Cairns. When they Cairns, Claire, <laughs> you're bored there. If you're still there, could you? Oh, anyway. <laughs> so, well, there you go. That was my name to me. So I thought, that's a strange. There you go. George, you, you're the investigative reporter doing your, you know, your background work. Very impressive. Yeah, that's, okay. that's, that's about it, though. <laughs> and then um and then I do see that you said have a number of practices and you've sold out and you've got mm-hmm. this really nice um program. Tell me about it. I've been doing it. You've got this vet sort of a, isn't it? it for the program for vets, the online course for vets. That's yeah. It. Yeah, it's like a CPD course. Yeah. So I'm I'm working with vets in consultation skills. So I think I figured out early on that probably my superpower, if there was one in the veterinary world, is that I can break down complex veterinary information in an accessible way for pet owners. And that was what I really love to do. So, you know, whether I was talking about genetic tests or breeding or a treatment plan or illness, I really enjoy connecting with people. And talking about it in a way that's not terrifying, you know, with all these scientific words. So that's what I loved in practice and what my business partners kind of as a young vet said, that's your skill. You keep honing that. Um, And then once I had my kids and I had more time at home and I wanted to kind of still be involved and do things in the industry, I decided to write a course on how vets can connect such a great idea with people. Totally. Yeah. yeah. So that, that's kind of. Sometimes the, vets do struggle to communicate too, don't they, Claire? It's sort of the yeah. way you're dealing with people with different emotions and some are coming in for, a, a you know, even euthanasia, which is, mm. is challenging. So communicating to them and, you know, procedures and whether that's the right time to, to do. I think it's an important tool because um, dogs are, and as Nathan likes me to refer to them, they are social media. I don't think I've used that term. <laughs> no, they can create a conversation. So, yes. So this is a cor- an online course, is it, Claire? Yeah, yeah, it's an online course for vets and then I do training. There's no course at the moment but for pet owners as well. So, you know, whether it's speaking to the vets themselves on how they're delivering the education or myself delivering it directly, mm. um, it's it's the same same message, really, just different hats. Yeah. Oh, it's, yeah. I, I, I mean, for, for me, I think it's, it's almost as, as important in some ways as the medicine is your ability to work with the clients and, and you know, it, the customer service element of being a GP vet, I think is, is super important um, and being able to build a relationship with them and make them feel heard and, and understand complex things. I think, yeah, it, it's sort of maybe a bit of very underrated element of being a vet yeah. as well. Well, you can be the world's best surgeon, but if you aren't able to um, empathize and communicate with the client, then they're not going to trust you to do the surgery, even though you're hugely trustworthy and competent. Um, so it's a really important initial step that sometimes gets forgotten. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's led you to, you know, communicate in a 
wide variety of different places. And George mentioned, you know, you've been on, you know, on television and, 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 you know, in different media as well. How, how has that journey sort of evolved? Yeah, it's been amazing. It's been fantastic. I think once I started to kind of um, just get, have the guts to, to get out more into a wider audience, I realized how much I loved it and that I could still have the same impact I was in clinic ownership and working in consult in educating people, but in a, on a broader scale and in a different way, which became important because um, I had at the time two little baby boys and I needed to kind of pivot because <laughs> I couldn't get into the clinic, but I was missing my career so much. So then I wrote my book, um, it's called Dr. Claire Loves Your Dog, and that got published in bookstores across Australia, and that led to a lot of media and morning talk shows, and then that kind of just yeah. continued and I realised I actually love this. Um, so I've just kept going now with but social media videos and things. Nathan, um, Claire has the same problem that I have, trying to balance the sort of social and celebrity status with your <laughs> bit of that make that, you know, you're actually what you're good at and you're passionate about. It's exhausting, and, you know, isn't it? It's exhausting. You know, like, <laughs> I, almost need an, I almost need an agent. Yeah. And in some ways, to Nathan's credit, he does act as my agent and coordinator. I do feel I do feel a bit like your agent, George, now that you mention it. But I don't do book signings. And, you know, I know, Claire, your book, it's, for those that are interested, it's it's available on Amazon, $19.99, and it's uh, called Dr. Claire's Love Your Dog. It's it's it's, it's publicize it now if we can mm. nathan and i know it's a it goes through what euthanasia goes through it um, it's the whole it's the complete guide from puppies right through to geriatrics yeah. to you know end of life and euthanasia so i try to cover as much as i humanly possible yeah. in one book and nathan it's got 330 pages <laughs> it's literally it's it's like it's, an it's a lot of good content thing. You know, you think 1999, Claire's probably done 60 pages. No, it's 330 <laughs> odd pages. You know, it's, it's, and, and I mean, it's, I mean, it's all of that. I mean, it's, you know, being a, a vet and a media spokesperson and, and you also decided, well, that wasn't enough. Like I'm going to decide I'm going to breed dogs as well. So is it, how did you get into to breeding? Well, this is a, that? this is a recent thing. Um, I had my two girls here my two female golden retrievers and obviously I'm passionate about doing everything the correct way and understanding hip scores and breeding from appropriate dogs and in veterinary medicine you see that that's not happening a lot of the time so I didn't want to have a you know a breeding kennel by any means but I thought why not why not I've got two beautiful dogs here and I've done all their hip scores and they're wonderful um, dogs with beautiful temperaments and an amazing health test results and genetics. So um, I thought I'll just do one and see how it goes. And I loved it. And I loved that I could apply all the things I was teaching, but directly with these beautiful little puppies and, you know, do all the correct socialization training to start the crate training. And then I had these beautiful committed families that were so excited to be getting one of my puppies who were just so on board with all of the things that I was doing and how they could continue it at home. And so I realized how kind of we have our private Facebook group and all of those questions and what I get every day in vet clinic. Mm -hmm. But now I'm 
totally bonded with these puppies. So there's a whole nother level of energy and love for me to put into it. So yeah, we did the first litter and now we're continuing on with a few more um, and really enjoying it. Nice. And Claire, of course, the million dollar question is, do, does every puppy that you sell come with a copy of <laughs> the Claire's Love Your Dog book? They certainly do. They do. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't no, give them a puppy without the no, manual. No. And, and I'd, I'd actually want it signed. Yes, that's yeah. true. I'm sure it would be. We, it, they are. They so are signed. I've got, I've got a question. This is sort of a Dion asks ridiculous question. Now, on your book, you've got a picture of a dash hound. Mm-hmm. I've seen you with videos with a cavoodle, mm-hmm. right? Cavoodles are the breed of the month this month. That's There's right. a cavoodle coming out. Oh, okay. Yeah. But yep. breed golden retrievers. Yes. Well, we can all have our favorites. <laughs> okay. What's, my, so what is what is your favorite? Golden retrievers oh, yeah. are my favorites. They're my. They were always my favorite patients in vet clinics as a little girl. They were always oh, my favorite dogs. Best temperaments. Such beautiful dogs. I have another soft spot for um, Cavalier King Charles Spaniels, and my book is dedicated to my King Charles that I grew up to. It says for Sasha in the front page and that was my childhood dog. So they definitely have won my heart. But if you're a dog lover, I mean, how can you just stop at one breed? You, If you love dogs, you're just going to love all dogs, which I do. So you'll see me um, with all breeds of dogs in my um, arms. You know, you've chosen two of our most popular at Orivet, the, the yeah. Dash Hound, very popular. Currently yep. becoming almost as popular as the French Bulldog. Oh, yeah. And of course, the Cavoodle, our yes. most popular by far. Great yes. family dog. They're great, great family dogs. People love them. Whether you, you know, we still have this argument about whether they're an actual breed. No, yes. They yes. They're a developmental <laughs> breed. But you, Cavoodles are really popular. Like I said, nice temperament, great family. Yeah. Pet, never have an issue. Excellent for um, not shedding, whereas golden retrievers are horrendous. So a shout-out to your your PR person there, Claire. You've done well. You've selected two of the most popular. (laughs) Golden retriever, which wags its tail at anything, doesn't it? Oh, they're so beautiful. Yeah. 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 And I think the, you know, the podcast today, you know, we're really excited to get you on, which it sounds like you're already getting these questions, maybe not only in the vet clinic, but in your private Facebook group as well. Um, But we really wanted to dive into a topic which we get a lot at Ripepore as well, which is, you know, what are some of the most common questions, you know, that new puppy owners have? And I'm sure that, yeah, you you would get at the vet on a weekly basis, I'm sure. Um, and, you know, we've got a couple of, uh, you know, questions that we get asked and we're keen to get Dr. Claire's opinion on, on some of those. So I think we're going to have quick fire questions with Dr. Claire and, you know, obviously, uh, I'm sure this will be the summarized version. And if you want the expanded version, then, then it's in then it's in Love Your Dog the book. <laughs> yeah, that's it. All uh, right, hit me. Let's go. Let's let's go. Okay. So, look, I think a you know common question that um, we hear at Rightpore as well, because you know you're transitioning your pup from the breeder to you know your home is, you know, how much do I feed? my puppy you know what you know what's the right amount what you know what what's right and obviously i'm sure it differs by breed as well so that's a common question we get how how much do i feed my puppy okay it's such a hard one to answer because there's no specific answer but there are some general guidelines um, which are really important so 
it will depend on the brand and type of food that you're feeding. Yes. So, of course, the each brand will have a feeding schedule on the packet, but a lot of those schedules are really difficult to interpret mm. because they often say the weight of the adult dog. So it'll say 30 kilos, mm. for example, and they'll be looking at their five kilo golden retriever and be thinking, well, it can't be that, but the Chihuahua five kilo one, like that's too little. Yeah. So they get all like, um, all confused. So I always say, get your food, go down to your clinic, ask your vet and your vet nurse, what do you think of this brand of food, this quality of food, and am I interpreting this um, table correctly? Because oh, it's really important we're not underfeeding our puppies. Mm. So that's because I can't say specifically, I say just get down there straight away and just ask over the counter or book a often a free consult with a nurse and they'll just give you some guidelines. So then we can know we're measuring it out correctly. But as some general rules, it's really important that we're feeding puppies puppy food because mm. their nutritional requirements are different to adult dogs. Yes. So puppy food has added calories. It has added nutrients to support rapid growth and healthy bones. So that's the first thing. The first 12 to 18 months of life, they need to be on a puppy diet. And the amount will differ depending on the brand. Next is the frequency. Mm. And I say four and four so people can remember. (laughs) Feed them four times a day until they're four months old. Okay. It's really hard to overfeed a puppy under four months old. You know, they're just growing and (laughs) running around like lunatics. So just pop food down four times a day until they're four months old. After that, it can be three times a day with, with in mind that by the time they're 12 months, we'll be feeding them twice a day. So you're kind of weaning them down. I'm happy to, for them to eat morning and night once they're over a year old. The next thing is it has to be complete and balanced, preferably veterinary um, recommended. And that means no home cooked food. I'm not, I don't mind if you want to incorporate some raw food if it's complete and balanced, but not home cooked meals Mm. because people can't make complete and balanced food. And often they're projecting what they believe is healthy for humans onto their pets Mm. and it doesn't work that way. They have different um, nutrient and calorie requirements to people. Mm. Um, so they're the kind of things that I really want people to understand as they're, as they're getting their puppy. And I also always suggest feeding whatever the breeder was feeding initially, and then we're going to over a week or two merge on to yeah. what your preferred food is. Yeah, there have to be a transition period um, to not upset the young pup's stomach, I imagine. Yeah, they've only mm. just come off milk and now they've gotten used to one diet and then to change that suddenly is a sure way to give them diarrhoea. They don't need much of an upset to <laughs> for, to have runny poos, so we want to go really easily, slowly and gently with their dietary it's changes. sort of so important to get all the diet and food right when they're puppies because it's really you know moves into their adult life you know if you start to feed yeah. too much and overweight is a huge issue yeah and we we've weight, weight. realized all of this new science around the importance of hormones and diet mm. for joint health you know and say 15 years ago we didn't know so much you know now we know we actually shouldn't be desexing our pets so quickly we, yeah, they course, need yeah. those hormones and they yeah. need those um, those nutrients more than we more than we understood before to prevent elderly hip dysplasia and arthritis. 
and of course some breeds just eat more than others they do than so yeah sure. that that's yeah. why i like the idea of people just going into to the vet to double check because there's so many variables there's variables on the you know giant breeds versus the large breeds small and toy breeds there's variables on how many months old it is and just the individual dog's behavior how active it is is it a working dog versus a couch potato dog mm. and claire <laughs> what's also difficult is there's um it's there's so many food options out there. Mm. There is just so many. It's overwhelming for people. Food. And there's a lot of debate and fierce debate around what is correct, um, which I think gets a bit over the top personally. Yeah, it's such a personal area and, and you know, it's obviously got to be right for you and the dog and and but um but I think yeah, what what you said as well around, you know, um checking with your vet, making sure it's veterinary approved and complete and balanced. So this is a really good point. Yeah, exactly. I don't, I don't like to get overly passionate about forcing people to do a certain thing. I think it would be madness for someone to suggest that you should feed your child like this, you know, when there's so many (laughs) ways and cultures to feed happy children. And I think there's many ways to feed healthy dogs, Mm -hmm. Um, but you need to make sure that you're uh, following some really important guidelines. Yeah. Brilliant. Great. What a, what a great start. I've got a question too, just to, because it's one that I get sort of often and I, I sort of see often, but how do I stop my partner from biting? I mean, my puppy <laughs> from biting at us all the time. So, you know, nipping and biting, you know, it's some puppies just do it because. Yeah. How, how, oh, how it's. I, it's so exhausting for puppy owners. I think a lot of them don't expect it to be so bad. And then they get their puppy, which they're imagining is this cute, fluffy, cuddly thing. And it's just piercing them with their sharp um, teeth and drawing blood most days. So it can be a bit of a shock. I like to warn people that this is going to happen. This is normal. Puppies bite, they're teething. It's their way of playing and discovering the world. So there is nothing abnormal, assuming it's not aggressive. There's nothing abnormal about them mouthing and biting, even if it is hurting you. So the good thing is it's a phase. It doesn't last forever. By the time they're six to nine months old, they're going to have all their adult teeth and this will be just a distant memory. So we've just got to get through this hard phase. And I tell people how I respond and that can kind of help them. As soon as a puppy nips me, I say no and I stop playing with them. I stand up. There's no further interaction. Game over. And then. Yeah, game over. I find an alternative for them to chew. I love rope toys because puppies love, a, you know, a bit of a game, a bit of tug of war. Um, so they prefer to play with that than actually bite your ankles. So you pop that down. Sometimes I put them in the freezer. If they've got swollen gums, if I can see teeth erupting, that can soothe sore gums to have a bit of a cold surface. Um, and the other thing is if you have a set routine with your puppy, then there won't be much opportunity for it to be bothering you with biting. So the set routine that I teach my families, if they want to do it, is that puppies should be eating and drinking and they should be going out to the grass for a toilet. Then they have play till whenever that you can see they're getting tired. It might be 20, 30 minutes of play. And then they go back into their cradle, their pen for a sleep. When they wake up, we do it again pretty much. So there's no opportunity for them to just, you know, be causing much 
much chaos. Not there's not a chance for them to go off and chew the shoes. There's not a chance for them to, you know, bite the the toddlers because if then if I'm with them, we'll be playing outside after their toilets, and otherwise they'll be back in their pen or their crate. So having a routine can really minimize yeah. those frustrating behaviors. Wow, you know what? I'm going. I'm going to get that book. No, is this all in the book? <laughs> I think it is. I might need to do another edition because I wasn't a breeder when I wrote that book. So now I've got all this new information. Mm. Wow. Yeah, I think think it's it's a really good point. Yeah. Updated now that you're a breeder. Oh, (laughs) this is clear. And you've got, I've got a shout out though. Your book Mm -hmm. has a lot, you know, we've got a shout out to a Libby Harkness. Oh, yes. I couldn't have done it without Libby. Yeah, no way, not without Libby. No, because my facts are a dog's breakfast, and she says, "Claire, this does not read well at all." Who is who? Who is Libby? She's the co-author. Ah, yes. She's who puts all my word vomit into paragraphs that you'd like to read. Vomit. Yes. Like that. (laughs) Excellent. That's a bit like what Nathan does on this show. <laughs> well, I think a shout out to our producer, Mark, who's working behind the scenes to always, uh, you know, piece our waffle, our word vomit into a coherent podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, now, Claire, what I will say, there was a quote that as soon as I read it, I go, that is exactly what I say. And it was one that you sort of mentioned, which was the older you get, the less you care about what people think. That is exactly <laughs> the way I have gone over the last 20 years. You know, when you first start off and you're really nice and you're sugarcoating this and you're worried about mm. the associate. Now that I'm in my, without giving it away, my your, your Alan Jones era with the golden microphone. Right. <laughs> I don't really you don't... care what others think as no, long it's, as I just say. It's, just it's a weird. great feeling, isn't it? And I feel a lot better. <laughs> Yes. And I really have real people. So sometimes I might do it in a Facebook message where I'm short and I just do this. And sometimes I might do it when I'm chatting to someone. But it's this thing where you sort of don't care. You move on. You know, when you first start off, you're trying to always please everyone. But you yeah, can't. you can't so please everyone. I jotted that quote down because I said I must shout out to Claire. It's exactly how. And sometimes <laughs> people think you're just awful, but I'm not. I'm just, you know, I haven't got. So much time for all the other stuff i'm not yeah i think i mean uh, being a vet like i'm i'm doing all the things most vets wouldn't do they would they wouldn't go do social media yeah, the videos. bedside matter and yeah. <laughs> well that they should be doing but social media videos most vets would just die at the thought of that and i mean you'd be hard pressed finding many vets that would breed oh, a litter yeah. of dogs and all of these things yeah I just one, and one up, going on one TV. Up, you're one up on all the celebrity ones that I know. There's only two or three, isn't there? That we know there's one huge one that appears on some. He's tall. He's good looking. Yeah, he's, he, he, he goes he, all right. He goes all right, doesn't he? Punches a bit of butt, but he doesn't breed, eh? That's true. Not that I know. No. Does he, has he got a book? No, uh, I don't know. Last not not last. not lately. No. <laughs> and then there's a couple of others that that do okay. That are out of some big clinic in Bondi. We won't mention them as well, but they do okay. They're all right. They're all right, you know. But they're not on the podcast with us right now, no. And and Claire, I've got I've got my next question to fire your way. So, what? So again, very common one we we hear a lot. Um, you know, you bring your puppy home first night. 
you know, my, my puppy, they're, they're not sleeping all the way through the night. You know, is, is that normal? What, what do I do about it? How do I get them into a sleeping routine? Yes. Okay. This is a great one. And I really hammer this home before the people have even come to get their puppy. And if I've got a client in the vet clinic that hasn't picked up their puppy yet, this is what I try to remind them is that they have a baby on the way. This is a baby doggy. (laughs) Babies mean frequent feeding, frequent toileting, frequent trouble accidents, and also frequent wake-ups in the night. So it's about setting the expectation and reminding them that, you know, this is not a toy. This is an actual animal and a baby animal. And then off that, I have a recommended schedule for the first three nights that the puppy comes home. And that is that I always suggest that the puppies are crate trained or pen trained. So they go, as soon as they get home, the pen or crate is set up and they go straight into that. And then that is set up in the living room or the busiest area of the house. And the the owners sleep on the couch by that crate for the first three nights. And they set their alarm for every two or three hours to take the puppy out to the toilet. So they that already they're shocked to realize, okay, gosh, that first week's going to be a write-off. We better not go to work. We better to take shifts between couples or families. Um, we've got to be setting the alarm every kind of two or three hours. And so it sets up their expectations. And also this little pup is getting woken up, if not awake, every two or three hours and being taken out to the toilet for the first three nights. It very quickly understands that the grass is for toilet and not the bedding in the pen or the crate. So I think that kind of intensive first three to five nights, but usually it only takes three, um, sets everyone up for success. And yes, it's normal for puppies to wake up in the night. They have to, they need to go. to. Yeah. They can't hold their, their little bladders as well. And and that's why it, it's ties in with toilet training. As you say, it sort of goes hand yeah. in hand. Yeah. They work together. And if you stuff up those first few days, it's a whole lot more effort to correct it. So it's worth um, the sleep deprivation initially. Yeah. I think it's, it's again, the, the effort you put in up front will just come back to you many times over as the pups get older. And, and that goes for so many things, you know, the toilet and crate training, socialization, all of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. About toilet training. I still had issues with Mary who at the age of four, I struggled with in the first eight months. I finally got there, but. Mm-hmm. And sometimes yeah. she'll, you know, She'll just wee anywhere if she's a bit anxious. Like if something's not right, just twerk and wee everywhere, Nathan. It drives me crazy. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, it's a toilet training is a huge one. I could imagine when you've got puppies and you're just you putting yeah. mats everywhere and yeah, for, they get there. Yeah, Claire, for for your background and for us some of our listeners who don't know, Mary is uh, George's Griffin. Brussels Griffin. Mm. Oh, Claire probably thought it was my partner. No, it's <laughs> No, I was no, no. wondering if that was your sorry, wife or if that sorry, was your sorry, pet. Look, I should be peaking. <laughs> Unfortunately, joking. my pets have real names. So, yeah, that's um, – you've got Charlie and you've got George, which is me, which is the royal family. <laughs> George, Charles and Mary. Yeah, George, Charles and Mary. Oh, that's sweet. So, okay, so let me have a think here. So I'm, you know, I'm just really – I, I I am just really happy to have you on because usually people like you, we 
we'd be paying to have on. Wouldn't we, Nathan? Your lucky day. I know. Feeling generous. I was feeling generous that day. You got me in a good one. This is the closest (laughs) we'll have to a Logie's winner (laughs) on on What the Bark. And for people know, Dr. Claire volunteered her time for this show. There was no exchange of funds. I haven't even purchased a book yet, which I will be. Usually (laughs) some of the other people have. I'm still buying Dr. John Bryson's book. His read book, Nathan. I bought thirty. I think I think we should be giving a a copy away, and you know, compl- compliments of what the bark to uh, to one of our listeners at the end of the podcast. But we'll get we'll get to that. Everyone knows we'll we'll do our competition section at the end. People wait for the competition time. Cle- oh, awesome! Oh, yeah, our giveaways are just we have sponsors everywhere, don't we, Nathan? Not yeah. we've got it. We've got it. We've had a few from week to week. <laughs> um, um, okay. Awesome. So we've got feeding, we've got sleeping, we've got biting, very common areas. Um, I think another bit, we, we touched on it before, but yeah, socialization is probably the other big one. You've got a very young pup and you, you know, you're not, not necessarily fully vaccinated yet as well. So you've got, you know, some, probably some owners that are going, well, it's such an important socialization period, but you know, what can I do, you know, when, when they're not fully vaccinated yet or when I can't take them out. So what do you suggest to, to those, to those owners uh, that want to socialize their dogs? Okay. So you're going to be getting different advice from different vets on this one, which makes it really tricky. (laughs) The strictest vets are going to say your puppy can't go out until 14 days after their third vaccination. And the reason for that is that they haven't developed their immunity for the nasty diseases, particularly the life-threatening parvovirus. Mm. The problem with this approach is that puppies need to get out. They need to be seeing the world, the different sights and sounds as soon as possible. We know that the critical socialisation of puppies, that period is from three weeks to 17 weeks of age. Mm. And during that period is where their learning and developing and all the things that they're exposed to is critical to shape their behaviour for their adulthood. So it's really an important time. So we've got the vets that say you can't go out for two weeks past the third vaccination and then you've got some other vets like me who are a little bit more flexible and that's because some of us value this critical socialisation period more. I really want to see dogs out during that critical phase, seeing the world, seeing different types of people, seeing aeroplanes and trains and wheel barrows and wheelchairs and all the different shapes and sizes of the world because they just don't get fearful and reactive to sounds and sites if they've seen it in that period so there are ways you can take puppies out safely i don't take them out until they've had two vaccinations unless it's to puppy preschool but we'll talk about that later Mm. so after their two vaccinations i say you can safely go out and see the world as long as you know the parvo risks and by safely this means you walk them on sealed paths where there are no other dogs and there is no feces or or urine and you've got your eyes open for it or you carry them down to a quiet beach not a dog beach or a creek where the water or the tide is lapping over and there's no feces and you put pot them down there for an explore you can put them in a pram or you can carry them and take them to bunning yeah the the bunnings trolley yes you, you wouldn't you wouldn't walk them into a cairns tropical forest 
No. And you, <laughs> you that, need to. You know, if you, that's, you know, you, you literally, you know, where there's snakes and virus, you'd go, no, you'd walk and put them on a lead and walk them down a nice nature strip with a bit of, you know, I hear you. Yeah, away from, away from places where there's dogs. And you do need to be aware. The thing is, if I was in Cairns, my advice would be a bit different to what it is Thank here. You. I was going to say that. You would be more of a traditional keeper. Yes. If you're in a low socioeconomic area or a rural area, the risks of parvo are much higher than if you're in a more wealthy suburban area. Like where Nathan is, like an (laughs) wealthy suburb. I don't know about that, George. (laughs) I I remember, remember I'm your, I'm your agent. You're the star here. (laughs) What, What? if you put the diamond studded collar on it or whether you put the, the, yeah. the, the padded jacket on it, you know, they're, they're the problems Nathan has in his ear. Yeah. Yeah. Naturally. Yes. And you're right. That's so, what I was yeah. going to mention. If, if you're in those. You have to tailor it. You'd be a bit more on the conservative. Yeah. Side. If I was out in farming areas or rural Queensland or where I'm from, far north Queensland, I'd be much more protective than say where I live now. Mm. Um, but even so I, it's important that your dogs are not mixing with other dogs. They're not going to dog beaches or even public grass areas like public parks until two weeks after their final vaccination, even if you are in the wealthier suburbs where everyone's vaccinating their pets because there'll always be a chance of parvo. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, you've got to kind of use some common sense. I feel like if you're in, you know, it, you're missing out on a lot of socialization opportunities if you don't take them out until 14 weeks after 14 days after their third. Mm -hmm. So I don't mind doing it a little bit earlier, but they do have their two vaccinations for sure. Mm -hmm. And they are, and I'm very careful. Yeah. 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 I mean, I I don't know if you agree with this, Claire, but something that I've heard as well is that, you know, people often say, you know, the, the risk of, you know, get, getting one of those, you know, life-threatening diseases in that period of time is probably lower than the risk of ending up with a poorly socialized dog who ends up having lifelong behavioral issues. And that's why you've sort of got to balance and weigh up those two and be sensible about it. But but yeah, like, you know, those risks of having a, a poor, um, poorly socialized dog can, can be harder to shape. Yeah, unless you're living up in far north Queensland or Darwin, and in that case, we see parvo every week almost. Yeah. So there are different extremes, but yeah. that is that is a good, that is a really good point. And I see a whole lot more behavioural issues than I do parvo in clinic. Yeah. 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 And and you mentioned, I know you mentioned before, puppy preschool. I imagine that is probably a, a good, you know, supplement. Exception. Yeah, I the exception is after their first vaccination, they can go to puppy school and mix with puppies their age that have also had one vaccination. Other than that, they don't mix with any other dogs outside of the home until they've had all three vaccinations. Yeah. yeah. And that's, you know, it's a safe, it's a you know sterilized environment. It's all, you know, very well controlled. And, you know, I'm sure, uh, you know, that, yeah. The risk of any any disease in that environment is, is is close to none, so that's a safe space. Yeah, and the vets or whoever is running the program will make sure they're all had their first vaccination and they're all healthy, so it's pretty safe. Yeah. Brilliant, interesting. Well, you know, we we can't be asking too many questions here, Nathan, because then no one will buy the book. <laughs> we need to make sure that we're only sort of touching on. So this—it's okay. We're only talking about puppies. This goes. Yeah, this book this... covers the whole life. 
what? The book covers the whole lot. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm going to get online and order five copies. Do you really? This is like, oh, Claire, this is a whole life. Even when I've got a geriatric dog, it helps. Even you then. Out. And you've got two of them, George. Wait a sec, mate. One, we're not calling Mary geriatric. No, actually, sorry. No, you're right. That's that's, that's rude of me. She's currently going that's so out of line, Nathan. She behaves like a geriatric dog. <laughs> She's just sitting here next to me. Charlie, yes, Claire is going through some problems the mum is he's blind oh coma in one eye and cataract in the other we don't want to take up the show talking about charlie but we will because he's a <laughs> oh, he's where genetic george is is because of charlie oh uh, that's beautiful and, and sort of it's interesting nathan he's getting better he sort of can't it's inter- someone told me they count their steps clear and know where doors mm. are mm. you know 10 steps in you're right now and we recently renovated the bathroom and kitchen. Oh. He's going into the bathroom thinking it's the kitchen. Oh, bless way. him. So, but he's getting better. I've now got to make a decision, Claire, and I'll speak to my veterinarian whether to remove the eye that has glaucoma because of the pressure. And That's I'm a hard decision. When I go to a vet, I don't like to make a decision there and then. Yeah, I, I understand that. They have. Mm-hmm. I come back home and I mm. sort of work out what it is because sometimes you make that decision with a lot of emotion and not thinking about it. Yeah, you need to take get the information, Mason, take some time out, make sure it sits well with you and your family. To the fam- thank yeah. you, family. And, yeah, like, then. You know, where, do I, where can I buy an eye patch? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what other options do we have here? <laughs> you know, let me think about this. So I'm, I go in and just check the pressure and it's not getting any better, Nathan. Mm. So oh, poor Charlie. Yeah, but you know, no, good luck with that. Yeah, that's thank you, and that's I'm one of those people who likes to listen. My vet's really good, follows up on. Mm, that's sure lovely. Well, even when I went away, he made sure I went in with my daughter and said, "If you need anything, you give me a call. Don't worry if it's mm. twelve o'clock at night. You give me a call if anything happens with Charlie. Bring him in." That was nice. Oh, vets are the best. I know so many vets like that. They're so uh, wonderful with their patients. Without yep. shouting out my clinic, it's he. They are the best. But I'm not That's fantastic. I might try and get him on for one of the podcasts. Yeah, there we go. There's a lot of love for vets here. Claire, my partner is a vet as well, so uh, it's a small world. Yes, yeah, there's a lot of love going around for vets. Oh, that's lovely. Well, I mean, without yeah, George is right. We can't mine Claire for all of her secrets in in a short podcast but I do think you know we every episode we do um, have a little competition for our listeners as well where you know they wait to the end and we ask them a little question to email email us in after having uh, listened to the podcast so I think we can George I think we should definitely be giving away a copy of Claire's book to to the first correct answer that emails it in and we'll send that send that out ourselves to uh to uh the the lucky winner right. Let's think of a awesome. really tough question to make sure that they will listen mm. to the podcast at the start. Mm. So that you know, people that think they can come in clear at the end and just. No, oh, that old chestnut. No, we know the tricks. We know the tricks. But I think, um, I don't know, George, do you, do you have one? Oh, I think it could be to do with, uh, you know, the great research that you did at the start into where Claire's uh, work experience was as a, as a young young student and where she where she grew up uh what uh, what city did claire uh you know come from and and uh, and first sort of practice in i guess as well. Mm. well that's a great question 
So that mm-hmm. they go back, yeah, to listen to this. And I sort of, it created a bit of discussion and even, even Claire was really, was impressed by my research. So yes, I was. What city, and I want them to email me, what is the average temperature? <laughs> so they've got to email me who they email in george at oribit.com they know the process should we give them a time and a date to make- no i think the first first email through when the podcast goes live and then i'll do another shout out for the full breed profile voucher valued 220 dollars, and it's to the first person that emails me claire unfortunately you can't email me I really wanted that complimentary full breed profile and do one on see if your golden retrievers are clear. I'm sure we can arrange some loyalty points or something, George. I've, I'm pretty sure they've already been cleared. We're okay. I'm trying to think to keep with the theme of, you know, promoting Claire's book, to, you know, Claire's book and just how good it is. How many pages <laughs> right how many pages does love your dog consist of email me I'll give you a hint. it's more than the 220 dollars that your the voucher is for those mm. there we go so we've got two prizes that we're going to give away this episode um so email george at oravet.com first and we'll get those arranged and sent out to you and only one winner per email i can't give two yeah. To the same person. We, we've got to share the love, Nathan. Yeah, absolutely. And Claire, look, before we let you go, um, we've kept you, you know, for quite a while as well. And uh, for our listeners, um, you know, how can they find you? You know, is there anything that you'd like to shout out? Um, how they can sort of, you know, yeah, obviously get the book or get in contact, uh, you know, with your socials? How- yeah, the, the best way to get in touch or um, find out kind of what I'm up to is Instagram at Dr. Claire Stevens um, on Instagram. That's where that's my favorite platform where all the things go. Yeah. Wow. Look at this. Brilliant. And it is a great Instagram. There's a lot of good content there as well. <laughs> any TikTok? I am on the TikTok, but I don't understand it. Yeah, I, I don't know either. So I've just got my, my person to post it over there for the young ones. <laughs> yes. No, I know. I feel like it's a generational breeders are like the older breeders are on Facebook and then we've got the Instagram and then we've got TikTok. It's sort of a age spread. Yeah. I've tried. I try, but I just, I don't know. I can't do TikTok personally. No, I hear you. Please. But I'm there. I'm on there. So if you're a TikToker, come find me. <laughs> yes. And that's, so that's, yeah, Dr. Claire Stevens, Claire with an A and an I. Mm, yes, that's right. It's Stevens been with a V. Really good to have you on. I've had so much fun. Thank yeah. you. I have too. You guys yeah. are good fun. Yeah. Uh, no, it's been it's been great. And uh, and what we'll do, uh, we'll post a couple of links to obviously, yeah, Claire's Instagram and book in the show notes as well when that goes live. But um, but Claire, really appreciate you joining us and uh, and thanks for being such a great guest. Yeah. Thank you for having me, guys. It's been awesome. Awesome. And to all of our listeners, we'll see you uh, back again next week with Genetic George. George, I need to speak to you about my agent fees. <laughs> oh, okay. We'll have, to talk, we'll have to talk about that. 20 to 25% usually. Yeah, I, I think that's, that's fair. That's fair. We hope you enjoyed this episode of What the Bark. Don't forget to hit subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and leave us a five-star review if you enjoyed the podcast. 
You can visit rightpaw.com.au for your all-in-one place to find responsible, verified breeders. And you can visit orivet.com.au for all your pet genetic testing needs. Remember to stay positive and we'll see you in the next episode.